Needs now with hosts Tom Wisenan and Josh Monroe. We hope that you're able to leave feeling encouraged and ready for another day of changing lives in the field of education as we speak with inspirational teachers from across the nation and world about what keeps their spark lit. In this episode, we talk with Brooke Rogers, aka that new teacher, a middle school social studies teacher from the Bay Area in California, about how her first three years in education have gone and what other educators can do to encourage newer teachers to stay in the field of education. Without any further ado, Brooke Rogers. Brooke, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. For our our listeners that don't have the absolute privilege of knowing who you are, could you introduce yourself? What's your elevator pitch? Who are you? Where are you from? What's your role in education? My name is Brooke Rogers. I live in California, specifically the Bay Area of California, so northern San Francisco Bay Area, and I am a full-time middle school history teacher. I teach uh, all the histories, so I teach seventh grade, sixth grade, and eighth grade history every day, and um, it's a joy and a privilege. (laughs) Dude, I don't know how you do middle school. Josh and I have talked about this at length. Like, it's just, (laughs) it's a different, different different beast altogether to tackle those middle school kids. I don't know how you do it. Um, what made you want to go into education and what made you want to go specifically into middle school? Um, so my career into education was a journey, I guess I would say. Um, I started out when I graduated high school. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I ended up moving to Fiji for a year. (laughs) Um, So I went there on a mission with my church. And through that, I worked with kids and I worked with youth. And I also randomly was like helping homeschool a family of five. So that would be my first like experience as a teacher. I was 18 years old living in another country, like homeschooling this family and working with children and youth every day. Um, And then I came back to the States and I went to college and I went pre-med. I was a biology major. I did that for a year and a half and I wanted to be a pediatrician. So like staying in the lane of kids, but not necessarily teaching. Um, I repeatedly failed chemistry, repeatedly. (laughs) So I ended up switching my major (laughs) to psychology. I was kind of, it was like a crisis. I was like, I know I can but I don't want to. So I switched over to psychology and was thinking maybe I'll do like child and adolescent psychology. And so that was my stream. And I wanted to still, here I am still wanting to work with kids. I did get my degree in psychology, but um, when it came to the time to get my master's degree, I had taken some electives in education. Like, you know, when you get to like, you have to fill electives. I took like intro to education and got 40 hours of time in a classroom and stuff. So it was always like there in the background. I just had to finally say yes to it when it was time to decide if I wanted my master's. Instead, I went for my teaching credential in California. And even middle school, I thought I was going to be a kindergarten teacher. And somehow middle school just reeled me in. So here I am. (laughs) Well, then then I kind of got to know, like, is there a chance you go back 
to that kindergarten route or, or is middle school where you're meant to be? It keeps feeling like middle school is right for me, at least for this season. When my kids come up to middle school and I'm living middle school all day here and at home, I might change my mind. I do have a multiple subject credential in California, so I could go into the elementary area if I wanted to. <laughs> you got that psychology degree. That psychology degree has got to come in handy with the middle school kids, doesn't it? It, it definitely has its perks for sure. <laughs> well, Brooke, that, that's quite a journey that you've been on, right? Like I know, I know on TikTok and Instagram, you're that new teacher, but you're not really that new anymore, right? Like you I know, I know. I can't decide if I should change my name. I just keep it whatever. But it is my third year teaching. Um, and I, I've had my credential for like eight years. I stayed home with my kids at the beginning there instead of going straight into teaching. But yeah, so I, I'm finishing up my third year as a teacher. I don't know. How long are you a new teacher, really? I think it's it's like, a, it's just a number, you know, like. Age is just a number. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to teach. I used to teach with a, a lady that retired and she still had the fire in her belly. And like, she would like learn new uh, tech tricks. Like she was just incredible. So I think you could be a new teacher your whole career if you really just stay after it, you know. Right. We're always learning. We're always. Yeah. yeah. I hope to keep that, like that passion and fervor of a new teacher for my whole life. I would love that. Yeah. I, really, I like the way that you viewed that, Tom. Like, <laughs> hey, if you really want to be, we can be new teachers forever. Right. That's that's how we want our kids to view learning. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't want to be an old frumpy teacher, Josh, to be honest with you. And I don't think kids want an old frumpy teacher either. Right. Like, and if we want to stay on top of our game, we need to be constantly learning and modeling that for our kids, like we talk about sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. That's so true. Brooke, I got to know then. I, one, I got to know if I did the math right. So if you're in your third year, that means you have not had a normal year in correct. teaching. Is that correct? That is absolutely okay, so, correct. All right. I did, I did the math right. So then I got to know because... Tom, Tom's been in it way longer than I have. I won't name him or age him, I guess. Um, we've had, we've had our normal years. Like, so what's it been like for you being in education, but not having a normal year because your normal is definitely different than ours. Absolutely. Um, my first year was the year that we locked down. So I'm going in first year and working insane amounts of hours. I was an English teacher my first year actually. So the grading was like stacks of essays all the time. And finally I was getting into third quarter and I was like, I, I'm kind of getting this. Like I have a workflow. I know what I like and what I don't like. I found certain ways to connect with students that work for me. And then um, it was like, oh, we're gonna take two weeks off. And I never went back in person again until the following year. Our second year um, was, uh, it was, um, we got, we gave our students the choice. They could be online or they could be in person, but the singular teacher did both. And then on top of that, we pulled a cart and we went room to room instead of having the students come to us to keep them isolated and separated um, in the hallways. So I was a mobile teacher my second year. And then now my third year, you know, like here we are, and it's kind of getting back to what I think people call normal but it doesn't feel the same as things were my first year. So I'm just like along for the ride. I don't know. Um, I just, 
like I said, like this is my normal. I don't know any different. So I'm just here to do my best in whatever the world throws at me every year, it seems like. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, what would what advice would you give to people who are tired? Like a lot of people went through this and this isn't the normal. This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what um what I prepared for a teacher college you know, however many years ago. And like, you've had three incredible years and we can just tell that your passion's still right at the top. Like you're bubbly, like you have tons of great energy, but what advice would you give to people who maybe during these last three years couldn't or, or couldn't sustain that positivity? Yeah, I, I, first of all, I feel, I feel you and I feel for you. And I like, I put out this bubbly personality, but I get tired and I get weak. I choose. I tell my students sometimes like, you think I wake up like this? They think I wake up like this. I have struggled. Like I have worked to be the person that I am. And so like a lot of times I'm just choosing it. I'm choosing it for you. I'm choosing it for you right now in this moment. Um, And so like, it's sometimes we see like, I do. I try to put that out on my, like my social media channels. They are like, Oh, you're so happy all the time. Well, that's like what I choose to, to put out in the world. Cause that's what I want to put out in the world, but that doesn't mean I don't struggle. And that doesn't mean that you have to be on all the time. Like we're allowed to struggle. We're allowed to be weak. Like we are human and that's okay. Um, we have to just keep getting back up and making that choice and taking the time when we need to take the time and standing up and um, getting excited when we need to get excited and bringing what we need to to the table. Um, so it's definitely a, a struggle for me as well. I get tired. It's it's not it's not something that comes naturally to me. <laughs> like I wake up and I choose like this is what I want to put into the world. This is what I want the students to feel today, um, especially having been a teacher in the pandemic, like I felt like I was kind of sometimes just like that safe place for kids to land. And I had to be the calm in the storm or not had to be like, I got to be the mm. calm in the storm. Like the world is going around us and you're trying to make sense of this. And like, I'm going to be here every day and I will bring you a calm if you need a calm or I'll bring you a joy if you need me to be joyful, you know, like, so it's, it's a choice of like the attitude that we put out in the world when we I see the, I see the classroom as a stage sometimes. And so like, sometimes I'm, I say teaching is 80% acting, you know? So, <laughs> so sometimes I'm like choosing what I want to put out there, what, what I want the students to feel today. I, I love that. And I, I love that you said, it's a choice that I wake up like this, right? Like mm-hmm. when we wake up and you're tired or you're exhausted, you've got that feeling, but you can go into your classroom feeling that, or you can change for your kids and mm-hmm. it's a choice to make. And it's not an easy one because like you said, like we are tired. Every teacher that walks in every day, we're tired. Like yeah. we put up, not put up, we're, we're gifted with 20 plus kids that we love and, and we enjoy being around, but it is exhausting at times. So Brooke, I guess, I guess my question to you then is those days that you are exhausted Maybe you uh, you missed out on the the Starbucks line, or or whatever it is. Is your scooters? Is it Starbucks? Do you even have scooters in California? You know what scooters? Uh, they, is? they do in the city, like where you can rent the scooters. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, well, <yeah. laughs> I mean, you no, you were talking that. about a restaurant, weren't you? <laughs> I'm talking about like a coffee shop. 
<laughs> like it like the Starbucks you got Starbucks then yeah yeah okay so like the days that you miss going to Starbucks, Starbucks how do you how do you fill your bucket like on those days that are really hard when you get home because you've got a family to go home to too yeah. like what ways do you what ways do you refill your gas tank so that the next day hey you're ready I try to, habits are a big deal for me in my life. I believe so strongly in the power of setting yourself up. Like you're setting a pattern for your life. Cause if you notice, like we follow patterns in our life. Like you wake up, what's the first thing you do? Is it grab your phone? I have to put my phone in the next room. Like, so that my alarm goes off and I have to get myself out of bed. And now I'm not laying in bed scrolling. Like that's the first start of my pattern. And so I feel like I design my life to have healthy patterns. And when I notice an unhealthy habit, I tend to have like, even though you said I'm joyful and bubbly, like, I like appreciate that, but I, I tend to have very negative thought patterns. And so like, I find ways to set myself up to, to, to avoid those patterns. You know what I mean? So um, like, if I'm going to go into my home, I sit in the car at the, like, I think I'm in the driveway, I'm sitting in the car and I'm waiting until I, I feel like a healthy space to get into my house. I don't just let all of my day blend together, you know, or um, sometimes it's not about what you add. It's about what you take out of your life. So maybe I limit my technology use. Um, I'll, I'll do like no tech hours where I just like set my phone and I refuse to touch it or look at it for an hour um, or eliminating those negative conversations. Like sometimes we just allow, like we want to go hang out with our friends on our prep period, but maybe those conversations are negative and focusing on the negative things that are happening throughout the day. And maybe you're better off just like finding a quiet space today. That's what I did. I went to like an empty conference room. It was dark in there. And I just sat on my laptop and did my work because that's what I knew I needed. So just trying to stay in tune with yourself and being self-aware and recognizing and naming what's happening so you can kind of take control of the situation. So setting up those patterns, those healthy patterns to make habits and then recognizing what's happening and, and kind of taking control of your day. I think that's so powerful. One, uh, naming specifically what is going on, what patterns or what behaviors or what um, mental thoughts you're having, specifically naming them is really powerful. But then I also think what you said about taking that time until you are comfortable with yourself, until you feel you can go give your best as a parent, the best as a spouse, the best to your, to your classroom. Uh, find a space in the school where you can have that time so that then you can go be the best you for everybody else that you're trying to to love and care for. I think that's yeah. absolutely powerful, Brooke. So kudos to you for really you. Um, bringing that to the forefront. And you're being absolutely vulnerable. And I think sometimes as educators, um, we're vulnerable, but we take it to that next level of um, crawling down in the pit you yes. know um yeah. yes it's hard yes it stinks yes it's you know really really hard but we don't find a solution we don't recognize those patterns and we're in the hole and we stay mm -hmm. there we dwell there um and then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy i'm miserable i don't like it uh why am i not doing well at my job um why am i not meeting the needs of my students so um I hope that we can get more teachers to recognize those patterns in themselves. Um, that's huge. What do you do? To, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, 
what what Brooke was saying plays off of that's what we ask our students to do too right like is figure out those ways when you do feel overwhelmed with a feeling whether it's a high feeling or a low feeling a blue or or a yellow however we look at it we've got to figure out ways that we can regulate it in healthy ways mm -hmm. and i love that about that what you were saying brooke is that like going into a conference room not going to sit with a coworker that might bring some negativity on a day that you're feeling low, right? Mm -hmm. we, we ask our students to do that every day, but we don't always practice that. And if we want our students to give off the same energy that we're trying to give them, then, then we have to show them that. So just, just playing off of what Tom says is a, is a big kudos to you and, and thank you for being that light in the world. Thank you, thank you so much. Brooke, what are some ways that you invest uh, in yourself? Are there any books that have really like blown your mind, changed your life, like um, it kept you inspired during the last three years? Um, are there certain podcasts you like to listen to? Like, how do you find hope? I, when I stayed at home with my kids, I was obsessed with podcasts and listening to audiobooks. Now that I teach full time, and then even during my prep period, there's a class in here. So there's not like a lot of quiet in my day here. Um, and then I go home to three kids. So I feel like that has fallen back some for me that I, it's something I want back in my life for sure is more books and podcasts and things like that. I miss that. I need to like tune in on my commute more. But um, a book that changed my life, I already mentioned that I love habits. So a book that changed my life was The Power of Habit. That one's a little more sciencey and academic. If you don't like like research-based psychology things, then you should do um, Atomic Habits. That one's a little more like mainstream thinking, but or like said in more of a less less scientific way. But both of them, those have changed my life at home, um, at church, and at school. Like all areas of my life, that those have changed my life for sure. Education-wise, I love teacher YouTube. Um, when I first found out I was going to be a teacher the whole summer before I binged teacher YouTube like crazy. And then it's going to make me sound old, but I love teacher Facebook groups, like niche teacher Facebook groups that are like, this is for middle school social study teachers, like that niche down, right? I love that. And then, so I find so many new resources and ideas and it's like, hey, we're in the industrial revolution. What are you guys doing for this? You know? And so I find a lot of new ideas um, and people think I'm like a creative teacher. I'm like, no, I just like use my resources. I'm a good researcher and I can follow directions. Like, <laughs> so, um, I love Facebook groups. I really do. I like that because I've, I've talked about it a lot as a teacher. I, I put myself in a silo when I first started. So I obviously wasn't like you. I, I was scared that people would view me as inadequate if mm -hmm. I asked for help. And I love that you're talking about, hey, it is important for us as educators, as practitioners, that we look at what other teachers are doing, that we ask questions, that we reach out for help when we need it, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that's, that's what our job is, is, yeah. is asking for help when we need it. And we truly are, as a teacher community, like as a, a community nationwide, worldwide, we're better together. What you guys are learning over in your states is very different than what we're adopting in ours. And like, we can kind of come together and say, hey, there's this new resource or there's this new idea and we can make each other better. And so I really do feel like the community of education 
And the fact that we have this access to the internet and we can talk to each other like this, like the way we are now, it's such a beautiful thing that shouldn't be, you know, taken lightly. I agree. It's a, it's an easy way to break down walls, right? Yes. I think that, that that has been one of the best adventures for me through this podcast is being able to break down walls and communicate face-to-face, face-to-face with amazing and inspirational teachers like you. Brooke, I'm also, I'm also pretty curious because you've been in education through the pandemic. I hope that we're coming out of it. Amen. I, I hope so too. <laughs> we gotta pray. We gotta pray that we're coming out of it. But there's a lot of stuff going on in education. I feel like I feel like everything that we do is picked apart by some part of society. So there's a lot of things that we're facing. What what in your mind is the most pressing issue that educators are facing? I feel like the most pressing issue in education right now is unity, or maybe I should say lack of unity. Um, Not just, I feel like there's a disunity going between students and teachers, between parents and teachers, and even between teachers and teachers and admin and teachers. We all are kind of, I feel like fighting against each other when we're all fighting for the same thing, we should be all fighting for the same thing and that's the students, right? Like we should all be on the same team, but somehow in this, and maybe it's in our access to media and the way we've been voicing. And I don't know, I just feel like there's so much conflict in education when we, if we could just focus in and be like, we're all here for the kids. And maybe your way is not exactly like my way. And um, maybe your ideas are a little different than mine, but we're all here as long as, as long as we are all here fighting for the students, then we can be stronger. Like I said, we're stronger together, right? And that includes with the admin or with the districts. And if we can all be on the team of the kids and then on the team of learning and helping them to grow and become healthy individuals, like then I feel like a lot of the extra stuff that we worry about would be less important. You're not, you're not in it for the paycheck? No, I de- I'm definitely not. Uh, most definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more with you, Brooke. Um, and I, I don't know why it is that we have lost focus of kids or why um, we let ourselves be distracted by assessments or by uh, attacks by parent groups or... Um, outside, outside groups. I just, it's really disheartening at one Mm -hmm. level. Um, but at another level, it, it really does show the power. Like we do need to focus on the kids. What is best for the kids? What is best for our students? What's best for the uh, community that we're trying Mm -hmm. to build? Absolutely. I couldn't agree. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, so you're a content creator on top of being a third year teacher. Um, and Josh was telling me that, one of your videos got like 30 million views and he was trying to explain it to me and he's a good communicator don't get me wrong Brooke but he just he didn't quite um I don't think explain it as good as you as well as you could so would you just walk us through that like he said there were hand actions and like clapbacks and sure sure 
Um, so that, that uh, class was my seventh grade class. They were, to this day, my loud, that was my first year teaching. They were my loudest class I've ever had. It was 25 students. I had a very small space. Um, and so when they are all having their conversations, it is excessively loud. Um, so I had set up my phone over next to me and I have, uh, I had a call and response that I had taught them from Todrick Hall's Do I Have Your Attention? Um, so it was, the, the song has some really significant beats in it. So it was like, do I have your attention? Do I have your attention? Like he has these beats in it. So I taught them to clap on those beats. And so they're all talking loud. And for some reason, one kid is shouting, I ate oatmeal. And I don't know, like people picked up on that for some reason. And then I said, seventh grade, do I have your attention? And we started clapping it out. Do I have your attention? Do I have your attention? And then they were all quiet, but they kind of messed up the beat and one of the kids called it out. So we all started laughing at the end and it was loud again. <laughs> but yes, uh, I think I think the reason that captured people's attention was A, they kids, students watching realized how loud they are in class. Like it shocked people to realize, oh, we're that loud. Yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> And then I think people like seeing, they like seeing teachers love their job. I've noticed that being on social media, um, people love to see when teachers love their job. And that doesn't mean that we can't speak out against injustices and things that are truly upsetting and um, like trauma and troubling. But I do think that people also need to see us loving our job. And I think that's why that, that video caught off the way it did. <laughs> Brooke, I think that's why I am so drawn to you is because you do love your job and you show it every time you post a video. We're not, we're not going to sit here behind a screen and say that everything's perfect, right? Because it's not. But what we, it's kind of like how you viewed going into your day. I'm going to choose to love what I do and I'm going to choose to show the world that I love it. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of that, don't you? Like we need to show the world Education's hard. Some yeah. days are rough, mm -hmm. but the reward that we get from it, we can't describe. Absolutely. And, and I'm still trying to feel that reward. I think, I think as a newer teacher, it's hard to see. I remember crying so much my first year and just being like, when do I see the results? You know what I mean? Like I'm just showing up every day, pouring my heart out. Like when does it become worth it? And I finally do feel like I am starting to feel that in this third year, like starting to see, I do get the privilege of teaching the same kids for three years. I teach them in sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. So if you like me, perfect. But if you don't, like we're gonna work through it for three years, me and you. Um, but I get to, I'm getting to see them grow up. And so I'm finally really getting to see that um, reward side of things. And it is, it is fulfilling. It's huge. Um, I have a practicum student. Um, through the local university here in Omaha. And uh, he was curious. He said, you know, when, when does teaching get to be fun? And I said, it's fun right now. And he, I said, but be careful. The first couple of years are really a ton of work. You have to master the curriculum. You have to master, you know, classroom management. You try mm -hmm. and just, it is a ton of work. Um, and I think once you get past, like you said, you know, the first couple of years, and really putting in that work, then you get to see a lot of the benefits and a lot of the fun and uh, the kids build relationships with you and you get to use those and leverage those and getting them to learn. Um, gosh, 
Yeah, I think you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Well, and Brooke, now I'm now I'm curious with Tom saying that, like, what do you think people, we've got a lot of listeners that are practicum students that that go to Tom's class or or student teachers. Like what what do they need to know about education as they get ready to enter this world that statistically says after five years you're gonna quit? Right? Like, I mean, that's yeah. That's hard to say, but that's that's what the stats say. You, if you make it past five years, you're in it to win it. Yeah. But if you don't, you're done. And we we gotta we gotta we gotta stop that trend, right? Honestly, and I, and I would like to see. So we have the research. We have the research that says, okay, after you know, however many years, so many teachers quit. Where's the research that says, but the teachers who don't have this? Mm. I want to see that research. The teachers who don't have um, positive relationships or the teachers who don't had an admin who mentored them, the teachers who don't have what, like, we've got to find these things for these practicum students. We've got to find this information. What is it that makes a teacher make it through the long haul? Did they, did they sign up with the mentality that they were going to be a servant? And that's why did they sign up with the mentality that like, I'm here to serve kids. Like, I don't know. Um, I want that research. Like maybe I'll do that research. <laughs> I don't know, but I want to see that. What is it that that keeps the teachers here? We need to be providing that for the students because I know here we have like an induction program. It's more homework. It's homework for 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 first and second year teachers. Like um, we've got to set the kids, the student. I call them kids. You guys are grownups. Um, but we've got to set the students up with with whatever the research says is gonna make them get past that five years. So we can have seasoned educators who like going back to the beginning of this podcast still have that fervor and that passion and that love for the students. Um, that was not advice. That's like a challenge. I guess that's not advice for the practical kids. That's a, that's a challenge for those of us out here. Like we've got to figure that out and stand alongside those students who are coming in and want who, who listen, if you are out there and you're a practicum student and you're, hearing the negative voices you're still choosing right now to enter this field grab onto write down whatever that reason is that you're not listening to that noise you're not hearing those voices and you're choosing you're choosing education you're choosing children write that down right now so on the day that you forget you go back to your journal or something like that and you say okay this is why I signed up for this when you're you know like me crying in front of your second period class during your first year. <laughs> like, I need to remember why I, I drowned out the noise because I'm going to keep showing up for that reason. Yeah. I hit that five-year mark. Yeah, I, yeah we got to figure that out for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's something, there's something about, like you said, make it past five years, whether it's, I don't, I don't know. That's a great, that's a great challenge though, for sure, Brooke. And I like that it's put on, us right the people that that are in the job it is up to us to help those teachers make it past that point where we're like oh well if you make it here you're you're gonna make it or you're not like it's, yeah. it's up to us to help them get there and to see that beauty in what we do yeah teaching's hard we can acknowledge that and still understand it's a beautiful thing that we do mm -hmm. if if you understand that it's hard and if you understand you need blank, 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 you need yeah. classroom management, you need content knowledge, you need to understand how to lean on other people. Like you need a lot more than what 
four years in college is going to teach you. Absolutely. I do think uh, connecting with, like as a newer teacher, I had the privilege of connecting with a 20 year veteran teacher. She, I felt safe asking her questions. She was in a different content area than me, but she also taught junior high. So I felt like I could go to her and be like, is what I'm feeling valid right now? Or um, I also connected with a, a kindergarten teacher who was also a, a long time veteran teacher. And if you can find those positive relationships, the people who are gonna speak truth into your life, I think that'll help you make it in the end. Like when you can have someone who can speak truth in love, it helps you like the truth, but with love, like not the truth, but really mean, or like suck it up her cup, you know, but sometimes that is what we need to hear. Yeah. So I, I, I had the privilege of having two strong relationships in that way. And I think that is what's helping me make it, even though it has been very, very difficult. This year has been especially oddly difficult, even though it feels like it should be better by now. Right. But it has been, it's been extra difficult, even though I've been in the classroom this year. So having those relationships, I think is really powerful. It's huge. I remember when I, uh, I started teaching my first year and I went through a master's program and they set me up with a wonderful, wonderful um, mentor. Susie Wooster was her name. And uh, Nancy Thornblad was kind of her sidekick in the, the uh, master's program that I did. But um, they were just magnificent mentors and supported along the way. And I think that is, that's huge. Finding those people who are maybe more experienced, shall we say, and really being able to like pick their brains. Um, Brooke, this has been awesome. Your energy is just infectious. <laughs> I absolutely, absolutely love um, learning from you. At the end of every episode, we ask one final question. You know, then in the 60s, there was a song about what the world needs now. And Josh, I think he's been feeling what under the weather. The needs now is love sweet love all right i feel like you guys are looking at me long you did enough. it you did it <laughs> so brooke in the world of education or outside the world of education it doesn't matter what does the world need now i am someone who is driven by love josh and i have had these conversations before when we met in la like i think that people if we could just see the humanity in everyone in the everyone that we meet if we could see them as human if we could see the person on the other side of the starbucks counter as a human being if we could see um the the people on the other side of screens when we're on social media as a human um if we can see our students as humans trying to figure out their place in the world and not this oppositional group of oh, i have like 140 of them you know like if I can see each and every one of them as a human and love them with compassion and treat that human the way that I would like to be treated, um, I feel like a, a, a lot of our issues would not be as big if we could see each other and see every single individual person's value and worth. I wish for a world like that. <laughs> I call of that. We need to see value in everybody, right? No matter, no matter what, if, if we can look at each other and say, I love you and not love, I think sometimes love gets thrown around and we think it's some like mushy gushy thing. That's, that's mm -hmm. how my daughter says it. Like, oh, you love me? <laughs> if we can see love is just 
this human connection of, yes. I appreciate that you're here. I appreciate that you're doing what you're doing. We'd be such a, such a better world with that. Mm-hmm. And you know, Brooke, I love that that's what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was fun. Well, thank you, Brooke. Um, have a great rest of your year and hopefully uh, year four is even better. I can't wait. I can't wait. Ladies and gentlemen, we're... Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. We're so thankful and appreciative that you took your time to listen to our guest, Brooke Rogers. Hopefully you're ready for another week of changing lives and hopefully what the world needs now is helping you to sustain your inspiration as we journey through this school year together. If it is, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It helps us to get inspirational educator stories out. We hope that as you head out, you remember the biggest factor that plays into student success is you, your love, your passion, your empathy, your dedication. It's exactly what the world needs now. Thank you for everything you do. Have a good one. Thank you.